0: Hello everyone and welcome to the third episode of Data Femme, featuring Data Visualist and Tableau aficionado Adam Miko. I'm really excited to have him here to tell you everything about the Tableau Data FAM. So we will be saying the word Data FAM as an F-A-M, so don't get that confused with Data Femme, this podcast. Um it'll be easy not to get it confused because we will only really be saying the words data fam on the podcast. And I just wanted to clarify. And with that, let's get started. So well, you and I met through Twitter and Tableau, and I was wondering if you could start by telling us how you got involved with both.
1: Great. Well, uh I started a little bit earlier than August on with the Tableau community, but it was on uh Tableau Magic's Facebook group. Uh I was uh, after a recent promotion, I was pretty much at the top of my uh where I could be at my job, so I was looking for other inspiration and an ability to kind of give back. So I was part of uh, Tableau Magic's Facebook group, which is a Facebook group uh, relating to Tableau data visualization and the like. And I was helping out a ton there. And then he asked me to be a uh, he asked me to be a moderator. And then um, after a while, being a moderator and so forth, he gently nudged me over and said, "Hey, uh, there's actually a cool Twitter community." And then once I hit Twitter, this whole data fam thing came along, and this hashtag data fam, data fam, data fam, and then people were introducing me all over the place. It was in, it was insane. It was like I was already part of a family before I even really was in. <laughs> and once I once I felt that that I was in, it was I didn't want to let go. Uh, the thing I really loved about the community is that there's no hierarchy, meaning that. Uh, there Zen masters and tableau ambassadors, which should be the absolute peak. And generally in most communities, when you have the absolute peak people, they don't pay attention to the little people down below. But fortunately they gave, they gave me a lot of time, helped me learn about the community a little bit, and, and actually wanted to engage with me. And after a month or two, I was uh, more and more involved with the community. And Tableau of Magic n- nudged me again and he's like, hey, maybe you should start to write a blog. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. I I used to be a music reviewer years ago, but I haven't written anything in public for a long time. So I started to uh, think of ideas for the blog and part of it was I didn't want it to be overly technical because that would be boring for me to write. <laughs> so I wanted it to be more friendly where somebody would read, uh, want to read right away and look forward to it as something to read as opposed to a how-to blog where it's awesome, but there's so many people that do such a better job of that than me. And I write technical manuals at work, so that wouldn't be fun. So the idea I had for fun was talking about visualizations a little bit, having a visit the week, and then interviewing uh, people every other week. And then I would post it every Saturday and it would kind of force me to push myself out there and realize, hey, I have to push this out there because people are waiting for it. So that and people started really engaging with me after that. And then uh, it's been a lot of fun where I could ask pretty much anybody in the community, uh, regardless of what their standing is in the community, and they want to interview me. And at the beginning, I had 150 followers at the time I started my blog, but people, ambassadors said, yes, right away for an interview. And that was just overwhelming to me. And I just felt, wow, this is a community for me because there's absolutely no hierarchy.
0: That's really exciting. And I think that you really tapped into something when you're saying that there's no hierarchy because Twitter has always been the ultimate equalizer of a social media platform. Like, you know... It's it's kind of mysterious. It's like, you never know if Tyra Banks is going to retweet you, you know, or Gabriela De Quiros, who's my version of Tyra Banks in the data science world, or, <laughs> you know, our studio, which is just like, if heaven had a Twitter, you know, so like, there's, you know, there, you just never know when you're going to get, um... You know, all this feedback from somebody who, you know, you idolize, but then from their perspective, they're looking at you seeing, wow, who's this artist that came out of nowhere? Like, that is just so awesome. I want to be involved in like that raw talent, you know, so it really is a give and take. And I think what I realized... Too over time is that not everyone's on Twitter. So the people that are expect to engage, expect to be social and, you know, have that give or take. It's kind of like, you know, people say Twitter's like a cocktail party. Like, you don't want to be that guy who shows up, you know, just for the drinks and food and hangs out you know, like a wallflower, you know, like you, if you go to the party, expect to mingle. I think everybody for the most part knows that. And, you know, that's why there's so much um response. And especially for you when you're so like diversely talented, like I didn't even know you had a music blog in the past, but that makes sense because you have such an artistic eye and then, you know, the instinct to write about it in a way that really relates to people. And so it's cool that you know, you have this product that people really want to engage with, and that kind of leads me to what we were talking about this morning with um, you wanting to cultivate the stories of people in the data fam community. I really think there should be like a you know some kind of documentary um, on the data fam community. Like, imagine how many like secret relationships <laughs> and little <laughs> little pockets of drama that exist there with everybody just right. you know they can't, they can't wait to be in each other's arms after a year. You know, that's pretty much what I saw all over Twitter is just true <laughs> obsession.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. It, yeah. That's the thing that fears me the most is all the hugging stuff. I'm like, get away from me. I have a personal space issue, but, uh, but I'll be happy to shake everybody's hand. Uh, but the thing is with the project is, A week week ago, Saturday, so not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before that, I can't remember the date. uh, After receiving a nomination and winning the Visi, I was so appreciative of the community and it just took me aback. And I wanted to share my story. So on November 16th, I posted a blog because I was so happy, because I felt like I was really part of a community, super engaged with the community, because they fully accepted me. And I need a lot of data validation. So uh, people were very nice to me all along, but it was at that moment when people were really ecstatic for me uh, of winning and Tableau published the the video, and also people sharing the Visi win. And then once Tableau published the video, they shared that I was nominated for best blog and I couldn't believe it because I saw all my heroes up there. Most of them couldn't have won the award because they were Zen masters, but still seeing your name with all your heroes, especially since I just started a blog uh, about a month and a half prior to the Vizies was just a shocking, shocking thing for me. And it was just, it just overwhelmed me, but in a good way. So part of that is I wanted to share that with the community because they really brought me in and it felt like I had a like a personal spot when I never really had a place to go to before. So because the community really engaged me, I felt like it was something I had to do to share what I truly felt. And that uh, blog did get a lot of attention. It was shared by a number of people. And I thought, you know, it'd be a great idea is that if I gave people the opportunity pretty much to do the same thing and share their story about how um, Tableau has helped them in their life and career, as well as the DataFam community and just the general analytics community. So I wanted to make sure it was completely inclusive. So I saw there are a lot of different people, some newer, some older but everybody in the blog that I'll post Thursday is gonna be listed alphabetically regardless of who they are and um, where they came from because again, it's the no hierarchy thing. So I'm really excited about sharing that because I've received so many awesome stories. Uh, It's a 40 minute read right now. (laughs) And people from 11 countries, such diverse backgrounds you wouldn't believe, and that's our community. We're part of a community that doesn't look at color. It doesn't look at age. It doesn't look at whether you're an Aspie. It doesn't look at whether you're um, uh, uh, male or female. Although my personal feeling is is that I would love to see more, uh, more f- females and more diverse people in the tech community. But I think the Tableau community is starting to really bridge that gap where you're seeing a lot more engagement. And it's more it's just making me happy to see that because you don't see that with a lot of tech fields and that's just so fun to see. And people are out there looking for people to support, not just based on whatever I just mentioned, but new people to bring to the forefront because they want a prosperous community that doesn't look at all the stuff that everybody has looked at before. And that's really exciting for me. Everybody's on an equal playing field and it makes me so happy to be part of that type of community.
0: It's really exciting for me to see all that, too, and, you know, I think just the focus that you're putting on community when you're speaking, it makes me think about how, you know, this really is a solace for a lot of people because the act of creating visualizations can be quite therapeutic, you know, not just the coding, you know, getting so focused on something that in itself is very therapeutic, but then also the things that people choose to cover...
1: Oh that's a good segue because there are so many great projects out there. One is um Makeover Monday, which focuses on such a such a diverse uh data set and there's a lot of uh data that comes for uh to benefit social good and it's just great to see everybody involved with that on a weekly basis. And the great thing about a shared data set is that people get to look at what everybody else does and get to learn as a community as opposed to learning in a vacuum and not learning anything. That's the thing is if if you're at work and you're not focused on in your focus on adhering to requirements, you can't you can't generally improve as a visualizer because uh, the thing that helps you improve is seeing the works of others understanding what they did and how they did that, as well as just uh, just practicing and trying new techniques that you wouldn't be able to do at work. Another great uh, project out there is Project Health Biz by uh, Lindsay Betzendahl. She uh, publishes a data set every month that everybody, um, it's similar to a Makeover Monday, but it's a monthly challenge and it's basically just for health related visualizations. I haven't had a chance to complete one yet. I've been too busy <laughs> with professional and personal stuff, but I I can't wait to do that and some of the things that she her uh, community and she has come up with have has just been so um over it's been very powerful to me, especially last month they had one on autism and the type of care that people shared with that and it helped learn and maybe that's a a little thing that may generate more research toward it uh, because of how much attention was put to it because of the uh, visualizations and so forth that were put out as well as the research involved and getting that out there and so many people involved with that. So it's very, it's very rewarding for me to see people really working on visualizations that benefit social good
0: going back to this idea of you know twitter and makeover monday being an equalizer and like not having a hierarchy like there are you know really unique visualizations like yours like nobody really did the same thing that you did but then there's a lot of charts that i find to be lovely you know like it you can make a piece of art just from You know, if you learned how to use Tableau yesterday, you can, you know, you can make a pretty graph and the feedback is encouraging. Like I see that, you know, I love sharing um, people's projects and by sharing, I don't even mean the formal data reveal, but just, you know, retweeting and commenting on people's projects if I like them for Makeover Monday and also Tidy Tuesday, which is kind of the R version of Makeover Monday. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I've seen
1: a lot of those.
0: Yeah, and it's, and they have equally you know, profound and ridiculous uh, <laughs> data sets across the spectrum. I I was making fun of it, but I do think it's necessary. Otherwise, you know, it becomes too heavy a movement. You know, people need to just kind of relax and have fun. Um, and then we all have an inside joke, you know, when people say squirrels and we all <laughs> groan. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just wondering, you know, who chooses these data sets? Um, if it were my, if it were up to me, it would just be like, You know, my comic relief would be like, how many times did people watch The Shining or listen to true crime (laughs) podcasts today? And, you know, like having data sets that don't really mean anything or have any kind of social, you know, message, I think, does help people relax when they're posting their their first project.
1: Well, the thing that's incredible to me regarding the Makeover Monday project is that it's a weekly project. So Eva Murray and Andy are, and others are helping out submitting data sets. They're reviewing a lot of visits, and they actually do a podcast every week to discuss some of the visits and provide feedback.
0: What is the name of this podcast?
1: It's uh, Bright Talk, and it's, it's basically Makeover Monday on Bright Talk, and what nice. she what she would do is um, there's forms out there that uh, she's provided her diagrams that she's provided to help people navigate that because there's a little bit to navigate to to be part of that. Uh, but you can easily be part of that if you just follow the procedure. And it's amazing that, uh, especially for new people just starting out with Tableau, uh, because when I did it, I wasn't very serious about it and I I didn't like wasting her time because it it was a bit of a goof. Uh, But for (laughs) new people just starting out with Tableau, I think it's very important for them to understand basic design principles and creating clean visualizations. Uh, Because if you can't do that, then it will be hard for you to move up in in the world of data visualization. So uh, she provides great, great feedback and helping people uh, create clean uh, designs that look good and that will get people to really see the data very well.
0: That's really good to know. And, I mean, I didn't know any of that because I'm definitely more on the back end side of things. Like I program Mm -hmm. in R and Python and I do do Tableau and I want to get more involved, but I didn't know about this podcast. Um, And I think that's, you know, it's nice to put a face to a movement like makeover Monday, (laughs) if you can call it a movement, but I mean, it is, it's a social movement for people who are into Tableau and like, it's nice to have a face to that because it can be intimidating when you start out and i think that's partly the reason though i'm not assigning any kind of uh reasoning to the people who made this but uh (laughs) i think it's part of why there are silly data sets there to kind of get people just to take a whack at it you know
1: oh yeah you have to have a little fun with it you definitely have to have Uh, fun with it. And the cool thing about the data sets is there's context. So usually there's an article that's along with it or uh, other research that you could dig into further and play with and just kind of go to what you want to go to and make a visualization based on that. And the great thing about Tableau, as I said, I opened up the the spreadsheet one hour and one hour later I could post an okay visualization out there. That's crazy. I'm not sure everyone can say (laughs) that A lot of people could do that. What is the time me? limit? Uh, oh, there is no time limit, but I like to, for my personal goal, because I don't like to spend a lot of time on personal visualizations, because I do a lot mm-hmm. of it at work. So I set a goal. Um, usually for the visualizing part, it's forty-five minutes. Oh, wow. Uh, playing with the data, playing with the data can be a lot longer, depending on what the data is and what the, and what the. Uh, the surrounding context needs to be in order for me to understand the data and bring the data to its best light. So oftentimes I'll spend a lot more time researching the data in order to bring it in and create a visualization that I wanna see. And that's generally for my public profile. I create visualizations that I like to make. Yeah. And that I personally want. And it
0: helps you grow. And also for those of us who are looking to get hired, having a timed challenge, you know, is good practice for interviews. (laughs) And I guess speaking of that, um, I do want to segue into your career. I know we can't talk too much about the details of where you work, but um, you do work for state government and you've been doing it for a really long time and you've just kind of transitioned from several different roles into being a data analyst and, you know, data science is such a new field that I'm really curious about how that happened and what the transition was like, because I'm sure as you were transitioning to be a data analyst yourself, your, you know, your work and the people that you're working with were transitioning to view data as something that people need to be hired to do.
1: Right. When I was graduating, I didn't even graduate college. I was 24 credits short, but I'll give you the explanation right before. So (laughs) you can, okay, anyways, so so right before I was about to graduate from college, I was 24 credits short. I saw this career as uh, somebody that could uh, adjudicate, and I'm like, that sounds cool. Uh, and a lot of it, uh, the test was related to open and closed not close out any questions. I can answer that. I was studying to become a political scientist, but, uh, I was working $8 per hour job at the time I was married. I had a young kid, so I needed an actual career. So at the time I'm like, okay, I'll go for it. But when I was going to school, computer uh, computer, uh, scientists and programmers and so forth were making $25,000 a year. So I'm like, I don't want to get into that field. There's no such thing as, as, at least from what I understood, was data science or data analyst or anything like that. So I'm like, that wasn't even part of the picture for me. I just needed to get out of school and get a career. So I ended up getting a career, and I did well with that for six years. And then after six years in reclassing to the top level of that particular career as an adjudicator, I uh, was looking for something else because I needed something to inspire me to do more. So for a couple years, I worked as a business analyst, and that started getting me into the the interest in data again. As a little kid, I was always playing games, uh, trying to determine how many uh, co- how many times I could flip a coin and how many times it would be tails or heads. I was looking <laughs> at box scores and creating my own statistical analysis when I was like ten years old. I was looking at shots per uh, shots and free throws and determining the uh, player's efficiency rate at 10 years old. That was kind of my thing, and I was like, "Oh." That's cool. So uh, Michael Jordan was efficient that game. So, but then you're looking at somebody else while they're 10 for 30 and they made fifteen free throws, they scored 25 points, but they took a bunch of shots. So they weren't so efficient. So of course, Michael Jordan's the best. Of course, I was trying to rationalize that because I was growing up near Chicago at the time and Michael Jordan was my favorite player. So any statistical analysis biased, of course, at the time, uh, was something I was really into, of course, when it supported Jordan and the Bulls.
0: Yeah. Well, you weren't too far off, I would (laughs) say. (laughs) I
1: I think almost objectively, you could say he's the best. Sorry, LeBron fans, but he was. But (laughs) getting getting back to uh, beginning into uh, uh, diving into that data again. So I was doing a lot of work, and I can't go into the projects, unfortunately, and so forth like that. But it was, it gave me a lot of interest in data again. It was like there's things I could do in Excel and other things and learn VBA and do other stuff and working with different programs that inspired me. However, my project ended, and I had to go back to adjudication. So it was the end of that. But then again, I was looking at certain things and inspired to do more to show what data can do. So between that and working in different roles, in a bunch of different roles, ultimately it became a trainer. And then once I was a trainer, I had the opportunity to do a lot of other stuff uh, using Excel primarily, some SharePoint and other stuff. And then uh, with workflows and other good things and creating a bunch of spreadsheets that help people do things a lot quicker and more efficiently. And then maybe five years ago, I was... Uh, introduced a tableau and I was like awestruck there's a big crowd that was introduced a tableau at the time but I was the only one that liked it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the only one asking questions (laughs) so I was like oh my gosh this is so good yeah this is so good for me I I just knew it was something for me a lot of people have evolved from the excel field to tableau Because you're oftentimes creating dashboards and creating uh, visualizations and working with data in Excel, especially when you're playing around with some VB and stuff like that. Uh, But with Tableau, it's that, but like on steroids, because you could work with millions of rows and the visualizations are so much more beautiful. So, and... You could do it so much more efficiently without exploding pie charts or, 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 or exploding donuts or 3D pie charts or, and stuff like that. There are so many options. And when you look at blogs, I've looked at, uh, for example, uh, before I even was part of the community, I was looking at a lot of um, blogs like Tableau Magic, Ken Lodge. And, um, and a bunch of other people, and it was just like I was just so impressed by what they were able to do with tableau and I would have never thought of that had I just been in my little silo but um but looking at blogs, seeing videos, Andy Kriebel's one where he has a YouTube channel uh mm-hmm. and he provides a lot of tutorials, and I'm a very visual person, so his tutorials helped me a ton because I was just basically able to steal stuff (laughs) and apply it to what I do. So fortunately, Tableau and a bunch of other tools I was able to use and leverage that to reach the top part of my uh, career in my field as a senior data analyst. And that was just so exciting to me to be able to do that. And pretty much all of that, if not, well, maybe at least 50% of it has to do with being able to work with Tableau and provide what's needed uh, based on requirements, because it's, for me at least, it's a very easy tool to work with.
0: Tableau is kind of a beautiful hybrid of, you know, beautiful front-end looking visualizations, but then also the ability to do some back-end processing. People in the R space would never think that, you know, (laughs) we (laughs) do. (laughs) But, I mean, it's true that, Tableau really does have some really unique back-end processing abilities, you know, for data sets. And, you know, I learned it in school while I was doing my MBA. And there are so many times when I just want something to look pretty, but I don't have to leave the program you know, to do anything, all I need is my spreadsheet, the desire to make something pretty and right. to blow, you know, right. um, it's a, definitely bridges the gap and you can do some really hardcore analysis in there. And I think that's why it's such a special program, because you can really learn a lot about coding and data science and, you know, the whole spectrum of the work you can do from to blow I'm really just, I'm fascinated by, you know, your career story because kids these days of which I am one, you know, we're switching, we're switching careers at the drop of a hat, you know, like, and it really does change somebody's mindset. Like I, I, I don't, I, I posted on LinkedIn the other day about, you know, People think that millennials are so spazzy and so, you know, just entitled to have the best job ever. It's true to some extent, but it's also, you know, I do like the ways in which, you know, people my age are protecting ourselves and, you know, not not sticking with something um, just because we're there and that's what society expects us to do. I do like that, but I think a lot of people do go overboard, me included, with just up next. And, you know, it, it just seeps into the way that our brains process things. I'm curious about your thoughts on how, you know, people, no matter what age, what, you know, line of work you're in, like, how can we maintain that, steady focus and you know career path aspiration without settling for like you know a situation that we could we could easily just toss out and find the next best thing you know like how how do you make that compromise
1: with your generation it's the first generation that's looking for uh, to excel and not just strictly bound by loyalty which I think is a great thing because it gives you an opportunity to really reach out and be happy with what you're doing. Um, In my generation (laughs) and generations before, people are looking for comfort, especially the older you get, you look for comfort, and then you're happy with that. But it's exciting for me that people, even though some of them are just so great that you don't want them to go, but they go anyways because they're so great but that's a good thing because you should be rewarded and looking for something that suits you better. And if it, if it's a job that lasts you six months or 10 years, so be it. You just need to find your happiness and where you feel comfortable.
0: Yeah, that's really good advice. I mean, I think that, you know, for anyone who's of in this situation growing a career especially everybody in data science is growing a career right now because it's a new field you know so that's also kind of an equalizer between you know levels of experience and some other fields you know or age or you know just academic like academic training even you know data science is kind of a hodgepodge of every type of background i think it's just important you know, to always be looking for the next best thing, but also really value if you do have a good thing going on at your work, because a lot of times we don't think about the things that we can still learn from, you know, the opportunities we have, you know, like we think about, oh, I want new opportunities. I want new ways to grow. But then sometimes that new opportunity is right at your desk and you just don't realize it, you know, so I think it's because
1: you're looking too far forward uh, and not looking straight ahead. If you have the right fit, the right management fit, and that there are opportunities at your at your place of work, I think that is is very good advice that you just kind of have to look at what you have and see what you could do with that as opposed to looking for the next thing for a different employer.
0: Or just for the sake of it. It's like, you know, if your office caters like the best meal ever and you just want to go out for lunch for the sake of going out, you know? It's kind of like that. Not saying that there aren't, reasons to leave your work it's just looking at your background and seeing like somebody who is so creative and innovative but still has the capacity to stay with you know stay on track with one place it's like a really good combination so and rare <laughs> so that's why I really wanted to talk about that
1: Well, the thing is, is that you need uh, challenges as well, because a lot of times you get into jobs where you don't have a lot of challenges that it's so boring and repetitive, you have to look for the next thing. So a lot of people are leaving and going because they can predict their day, day in and day out. And it's boring for them. And at this time, with so much social media and everything that's uh, involved with that, there's a lot of things that are grabbing your attention. So if you d- don't get challenged then you're looking for something to grab your attention that's just how it is at least in my experience.
0: Yeah, the social media part I never thought about that connection but yeah, that does kind of there's just so much easy access to the next best thing that you're always being confronted with that um even social media as LinkedIn, you know, people will find you and solicit you for new jobs all the time. You know, and I think that's good because it makes you constantly question like am I in the right place but if you are then it's really nice to have you know the wisdom to just stay and work it out um I want to we're getting to our time right now and I really want to make sure that I highlight everything that you're doing you know like (laughs) what awards have you won what's next for you and the tableau community you know I just want to to be out and clear, because I'm going to put all these links on the decayo Data website, com, so that everybody who's listening can go and check out all of your work and also all the resources that you've mentioned.
1: Well, as far as what's next for me in the tableau community, I'm just happy to be a part of it, and helping people get along and looking for talent and helping support that talent. That's my main goal. And that's really my only goal right now. And just, it just, so I'm just so happy to be part of that type of community that supports that. I, 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 uh, mentioned somebody today on on Twitter and he was new to Twitter and it got 30, you know, it had a, a bunch of likes and a lot of support just because people saw his work and just thought, wow, this is, this guy's amazing.
0: Well, I think that we've covered a lot of ground here, and I want to thank you, Adam, for sharing all of your opinions and stories with us. And like I said, the three projects that you've um highlighted that you wanted to mention will be available to the community on dicaiodata.com in this episode's blog post. And that will also include all of the resources that you've mentioned for the community to check out and get more invested in Tableau. So thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing your upcoming blog post and all of your beautiful data visualizations that you post in the future.